When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber, you go and do something like this. And totally redeem yourself! (laughs) Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show, with Dave, Honky, Mac, and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I'm with Honky. Redcast Nation is growing. We've gained like 800 new followers in the last day alone, and we're closing on 13,000 total, so we've shot right past Beatrice and South Sioux City. We are now the 14th largest city in Nebraska, Dave. Uh, why is this happening, Honky? Did some news break or something going on today? I have no idea. I haven't been paying attention to anything the last couple of <laughs> All months. Right, well, let's dive into that in the show. That's a great idea. Um, also with Mac. What's up, Red Casters? This mic is hot, and so is the Husker football <laughs> program right now. Ladies and gentlemen, the noise we have made has made a difference. Husker football is back. Also with Boomer. Well, I'd just like to thank the Big Ten for not announcing anything last night, giving us enough time to be at least as prepared for this show as the Big 12 was for most of their opening games this week. (laughs) Oh! Oh. Now, it's time for the Redcast Soapbox segment. Get up! Get up! On that soapbox! Get up! Get up! On the soapbox! Hey, Redcast! Soap! We all use it! It's a necessity, so why not use good soap, am I right? How about you give our friends at Hero Soap Company a try? It's handmade, and no chemicals, dyes, or fragrances are used. We're talking great smells like lavender, cedarwood and charcoal, lime and sea salt, and many more, like a peppermint plus cool soap that is infused with menthol to give you an intense freshness. Go to HeroSoapCompany.com and shop for yourself. Subscribe. Yes, that's subscribe. <laughs> for maximum savings. But listen, these great soap options may not even be the best part. Hero Soap is a veteran-owned company that is giving back in some incredible ways. For one, Hero Soap matches all subscription purchases by sending that equal amount of soap overseas to our troops. Here's a stupefying fact. Did you know that our troops are responsible for purchasing their own toiletries? That is some grade A bullshit. Well, Hero Soap is trying to fix that. And a portion of sales is donated back to charities that are focused on helping veterans and first responders. Charities like the Gary Sinise Foundation and Operation Finally Home. So you gotta ask yourself, what is your current soap doing? I'm guessing nothing as great as this. And get this, our buds over at Hero Soap Company are hooking you Redcasters up. Enter Redcast in the discount code box at checkout and you will save even more on your purchase. Treat your body to some amazing soaps, save some money with the Redcast promo code, and support our troops and help our veterans all at the same time. There are so many wins here, I'm beginning to think this was made by the 94 and 95 Husker squads. HeroSoapCompany.com, 
REDCAST discount code. Subscribe. Make it happen. Now back to the podcast as the REDCAST gents step up to the soapbox. Get up. All right, guys. Well, uh, they finally did it. Uh, mercifully, they <laughs> finally made a decision. The Big Ten brass finally figured it out and brought football back starting on um, the weekend of October 24th, a little bit later than expected, but uh, hopefully soon enough to still compete for a potential college football playoff spot and uh, play varsity ball. Let's uh, let's go with Mac, actually, right now. The enthusiasm that Mac has. I haven't heard the joy in your voice like this for, it feels like, forever. <laughs> You're right. It has been <laughs> It has been a horrible year. And the preseason was miserable, and then the the Big Ten decided to be leaders and cancel a football season that nobody else wanted to. Um, so, <laughs> you know, I, I I'm so proud of Husker fandom, uh, the players, the coaches, the parents of these players to not go silently into that night mm. and to actually stand up and say, no, we're here to play ball. That's what we do. We play football in Nebraska, and give us the opportunity to do it now. I'm fully expecting the Big Ten to come down with the hammer and we'll play Ohio State maybe three times and then after that, Penn State <laughs> twice and, and whatever. But hey, I would rather at least get a chance to fight than stand on the sidelines and watch everybody else play. And I, I, I would be willing to bet that Frost and company feel the exact same way. Guys, we're going to have football. We're going to have football in, in four short weeks. I, I couldn't be any happier, honestly. <laughs> Happy anniversary, honey, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's Max's 12, 12 year anniversary of his wedding as well. So, this is a really great day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, Did I forget to mention that? Sorry. Uh, well, Honky, um, I think you're just as happy, maybe slightly a more uh, controlled in your enthusiasm. And it has been a long wait, a uh, frustrating one. Uh, crazy social media out there for weeks on end. Um, what are your initial thoughts on this big decision today by the Big Ten? Well, first off, a cheers to Brewmaster Bill for uh, providing the alcohol for uh, Mac and I tonight on the show. This has been, it's a celebration. It's something that, that Moose talked about today. Our players want to play, our coaches want to coach, and our fans want to watch. And uh, we're going to be able to do all these things now, and, and that's why it is a celebration. Uh, and I believe, uh, and, and very strongly, that the state of Nebraska, Nebraska needs football. And believe me, uh, in the world I live in, football needs Nebraska. This is a celebration because it was as long as it took them to do it. But you know what? It was the conference making the right call. And there can be a hundred different reasons why they came to this conclusion. But the point is they came to the conclusion. And it is a celebration point for us. Um, The other part of right now is the hard part starts now. We got our way, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, we fought and we've kicked and we've done everything on social media and everything possible. Parents groups and everyone that Max said, you know, everyone's done the right things to get us to this point, but now we have to prove it. And, you know, they put some pretty stringent kind of guidelines down that we're going to have to meet. That's okay. We're, we're going to have to do it. But um, I'll tell you, you know, as far as our show, our show goes, you know, we haven't done one for the last three weeks. And there was a very specific reason for this. There was nothing to talk about. Mm. We didn't want to sit there and turn around and speculate for three weeks on every single you know Sir Yacht tweet that he sends out. There just wasn't any point on it. 
And so to be able to get to this point now where we can sit down and we can talk about actual details again, Mac, I'm ecstatic. I am too. And I I would like to take a moment just to say, you know, the the Nebraska media – the beat writers and the guys who do the daily talk shows, you know, my hat's off to you guys because for these last weeks have had to have been horrible for you. We have taken this time off because mm-hmm. the, the speculation, that kind of talk, what could be, what's going to happen, who needs these votes, who do we have to turn? I, I have so little interest in doing that. But the Nebraska media, I feel like, has been as about as factual and accurate as anybody else out there about reporting what's actually happening mm-hmm. and and still trying to pr- produce content out there. I mean, those guys are going hard at work. I mean, you've got you've got people like these Twitter warriors like Forty and Walken and all those guys just throwing logs on a fire that don't need to be burning mm-hmm. and, and you know ha ha ha. Well, you know, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I uh, listen. The, the coaching staff the AD, the leadership in Nebraska has held the, held themselves up to a high standard. They've, they've handled this with class and grace and strong leadership. Um, Twitter's not that same animal. And if you want to be petty, roll with it, man. Because some yeah. of these people have earned their lumps. And I'm not saying slow down on that yeah, at and, all. And I am, again, there's... We've had some very well-intending redcasters over the years that have told us, you know, that we've done, we do a really good job. Our show is every bit as good as this radio show or that one. And I always tell them it's not apples to oranges, man. We do a once a week show, if that. It's one hour long. And when I think about these people, they're going out there every day and they're doing three hours a day. That's that's impressive in and of itself. But Dave, when it comes to us, the four of us haven't been together doing a show since late July. We've done four shows since. We've talked to Sipple. Mac and I had our mm-hmm. bitch fest. I had Jeffrey the Greek on, and I mentioned the one um, when Mac and I talked. We mentioned the one that you guys did, which was the day after the announcement. And, uh, you know, producer Skip came on and, and Redcast Rob, and then you and Boomer. I mean, that I, I couldn't talk that day. I was so frustrated. Mac yeah. was so frustrated. So what you guys did that day after, you started talking about you know, all the reasons we weren't going to leave the Big Ten, which was all the talk at that time. You guys had a, had a smart, intelligent discussion about all the things that weren't smart and intelligent being talked about at that time. <laughs> Well, I, I don't know about that, Honk, uh, but, you know, I mean, sometimes you do, do need to take emotion out of it, and I think that's what Boomer does best, right? He uh, doesn't show emotion since 1987, I believe, Honk, he's uh, approximate estimate. So, Boomer, uh, what's your unemotional take on today's events? Well, I think it was a lot of what Honky said, just kind of a culmination of a lot of things. First off, the Big Ten's just utter mishandling of their whole plan the whole idea of oh we're postponing this and then we're not going to revisit it and it just really highlighted how nebraska was so much different than seemed every other program everybody in nebraska was on the same page from president through the athletic director down to the coach to the players we all seemed to know what we wanted we were all communicating and we didn't see that with everybody else and then you had the pressure from nebraska fan groups uh parents and fans and media and everybody else putting pressure on the conference and especially once ohio state got rolling on that and that's kind of one of those things that really i think you know got the ball moving on this it, you know nebraska was able to go out there take shots initially i mean we got savaged by some of those national writers like you talked about for you know daring to want to play football all right fine then you get ohio state back there and that seems to evaporate now it's all about oh well they want to compete for a national championship and nobody's you know wanting to kick them out of the conference the fact that people didn't fold right away i think put a lot of pressure on the big big 10 brass right there and then i think the other thing was the other conferences that didn't that haven't canceled yet uh, you know who knows what's still going to happen but i think uh, i think one of the key ones in my reading of it all was with notre dame 
how, what was it, around August 19th, they were at the point where they kind of sent the students home for classes, they weren't sure what they were going to do, and they were kind of hovering on that point of, well, we might pull the plug on sports, too, for the season, and then they don't, and the ACC keeps going strong. Because I imagine if Notre Dame folds, the ACC might, too. No, I've heard that that was a critical thing yeah. for the ACC. and once that happens, you know, you've got, you're the Big Ten, you've got Notre Dame in Indiana, which is I mean, that's the heart of Big Ten. I mean, how many Big Ten schools are within a couple hours of, you know, South Bend? Somehow they can play and we can't. And Notre Dame, this isn't like some, you know, small podunk. From an academic standpoint, that did lessen that argument. Yeah, and I think that the combination of that and the fact that a large percentage of the Big Ten fan base and programs, you know, led by Nebraska, Ohio State, challenged the decision. That put a lot of pressure on the Big Ten to change and... Medical things do seem to have kind of changed in the last month or so, and it gave them an easy out to revisit a decision they said they weren't going to revisit or however they wanted to word it. No, you know, I mean, I think we can take a deeper dive on some of the specifics of this decision from a medical perspective and some of the criteria, but I do want to touch on the that larger idea of Nebraska and the Big Ten and how we are going forward. Mac, do you feel like when Nebraska having a voice here in this conversation and then having the support of folks like Ohio State and Iowa saying, hey, yeah, wait a second, um, has maybe started to change the dynamic of us always being feeling like we're uh, looking from the outside in? I think this is actually a, a tremendous opportunity for us to solidify ourselves back as the blue blood that we are. You know, we are we are the new kid on the block in the conference because I don't count Rutgers and I don't count the school, what, Maryland? Is that the other school? Yeah, no, that's, that's right. Yeah, I don't count those <laughs> schools, but, you know, that we were kind of a guest in the house of the Big Ten. And the play on the field has sort of represented that for us. Now, sure. we all believe that's going to change, and we all think we have the right leadership in place to make a jump. Mm-hmm. An issue like this, which was never anything more than the desire to play football, and it's not just that. We were at the forefront of setting protocols and doing testing and, and trying to do the best we could to make sure that we could play. It wasn't like, hey, guys, we just really want to play. We were out there testing our players, developing new ways to, to make sure that guys who do get positive are isolated. All the way down, you know, making sure that they get their food as they pull up. You know, I used to, when I, <laughs> on my lunch breaks, I would drive down to the university and just sit in the shadow of the university. And I would watch the players come up and then, you know, in their mask and grab their sack lunches right around noon and take them back. I mean, these are the kind of steps that we were taking to make sure that we were able to play. And so when the Big Ten comes out and says, nope, we're not even going to try, I mean, that just is in the face of everything that we went to try to make sure that, hey, we're going to do everything we can to make this as safe and as feasible as possible to have a football season. And so when they pull the rug out from underneath you, I'm still shocked at the at the national media's response to that when we said, whoa, we this is ridiculous. You know, we haven't even tried. Where's the can-do spirit? Where's the attitude of at least give us a shot to play? And like it was it was completely stripped away. So when, you know, Frost preemptively came out and said what he said, um, right before the announcement to cancel the season happened, I think that emboldened some of the other coaches to come out there and say the same thing. And there's no doubt that it endeared us to the other teams that were serious about playing college football, in particular Ohio State, because I'm not here to say that Nebraska alone saved the conference football season. Obviously, mm-hmm. we needed Ohio State to, to get on board with that, but they did. And anyone who's on Twitter has seen mm-hmm. this new brotherhood 
between Ohio State and, and Nebraska. And, the, and it's kind of funny because outside of Michigan, who they just blatantly hate, who does Ohio State have any kind of relationship with? That's a good point. You said Nebraska alone couldn't do this, right? But the reality is Nebraska alone couldn't do it in any conference. That's not unique to the Big Ten. In fact, we learned that well in the Big 12. In the Big 12, we did a lot of 1-11 to 11 votes, Prop 48, moving the, the uh, headquarters down to Dallas, etc., right? And there's a reason we left the Big 12. And over the course of the last month and a half, I'm just still shocked by some of the people that, that look back so fondly on Big 12 days. I've never understood that. I think people can look fondly on Big 8. That makes sense. The Big 8 was something a little more special to us. But even that, you know, with Colorado going to the Pac-12 and Missouri in the SEC, the Big 8 isn't around anymore. I never hearkened back to those days. And, in fact, one of the outcomes I think that's come out of this is that if people really actually take a second to think about what just happened, we're proven right by being in the Big 10. If we were in the Big 12 and we lost this vote on day one, we would have just lost it. We wouldn't have had anybody from the other 11 come and support us. There would have been none of that. We would have been angry at this, and we would have been by ourselves. Instead, we were vocal. We took the brunt of it. But all of a sudden, Ohio State kind of ekes over and says, hey, you know, that Frost guy wasn't totally wrong. You know, the evil brother across the Missouri River, they came over and said, you know what? We're going to stand with these guys. And you know what we're going to do is we're going to put a stake in the ground and at least make you guys have to work for this. Okay? It's 3 to 11. We get it. But you know what? You guys, we're not just going to end at that. And it didn't. And the fact that we come out on what we came out with today, yeah. we won. Yeah. This wouldn't have happened in the Big 12. Folks, if you're talking about Nebraska needs to go back to the Big 12, stop it. Tom Chattel, I love you, man. We talked to you last year. I, I grew up reading your stuff. I enjoyed our conversation so much. I don't understand the feelings towards that conference that we left. This is the right move is what we've done. And this conference, because of Nebraska and because of the, the coalition that we got with some of the other schools, we have made a change. And the Big Ten's going to look different moving forward from it. There's uncomfortable people right now in Northwestern that think that the Ivy League has just turned into a football league. Well, I'm sorry, it's been a football league. We're just a good football league that has really good academics to go with it. And there's nothing wrong with having both. No, that's that's a good point. I mean, there could be definitely uh, some changes in in how the Big Ten uh, operates from top to bottom. Yeah, let, let's talk a little bit about that, Honk. Uh, as we sort of take a deeper dive here, I, I think an uh, interesting thing I, I heard today from multiple sources, both kind of the national and local uh, media, is that you know it's like, hey, let's say this. I even heard on Big Ten um, that the Big Ten messed up. Right, they messed up on August 11th by canceling essentially the season. Whereas they could have made a much easier decision on uh, simply backing this up to September 26th or October 3rd, um, more aligned with the SEC, delayed their decisions and and found more time to figure out things like protocol and testing. I mean, Illinois had just uh, talked about the rapid testing the day before we made the Big Ten made the announcement Mm -hmm. um, to postpone the season. And so, like, you know, the frustrating thing is is it feels like where the Big Ten really messed up um, wasn't necessarily that they weren't confident with the protocols and testing, um, because now we do have daily rapid testing. That's a big difference, right? Sure. But the difference was is that for some reason they felt compelled that they had to postpone the season till spring of 2021 opposed to simply just delaying the start of the fall season until they could figure some of these things out. 
which I guess raises the questions of like, what were they doing the entire summer, right? It feels mm-hmm. like they could have been working on this sincerely in a much more committed fashion for months beforehand. And they, they failed to do those. That, that to me is the biggest failure of the Big Ten is the lack of progress in all of this until a decision they make gets significant pushback from uh, their members. Yeah, I mean, Illinois was touting, for all the right reasons, touting the 20,000 tests that they could do a day with their own developed rapid testing. That's awesome. That's a great academic side advancement that that school made. And then they turned around and chose to be one of the 11 votes. And look, you know, we, we do everything on this show possible. I feel like I've said this too many times in the last few shows, and I, I want to be done talking about this. I want to get to talking about football. We try not to talk about politics on this show. But it's hard at times to remove politics from this where it doesn't make sense at times. I don't know why this became such a divided issue. But, I mean, you look at right now in the Pac-12, they're dealing with the same stuff. And you look at the maps of where schools were playing, high schools were playing and not playing, and they fall along election line maps at times. At the end of the day, the one thing that I've really come to appreciate out of this is that football seems to, it doesn't matter if you're on the left or the right or anywhere in between, people like football. And they miss their football when it's not there. And you're starting to see it in states where they said we're not going to play high school ball. Now they're starting to come back and pull back on that yeah. in some of these states. There's All of a sudden we're hearing about the Pac-12 tonight going, you know what, maybe we should think about this. The Mountain West is going, maybe we could do an eight-game schedule too. It's amazing how football fans, guys, people stood up for something. Yeah. I'm actually really proud of just football nation out there, not just Husker nation, but football nation, the people that just said, you know what, I've let a lot of things get canceled. You know, I couldn't go to my state fair. Or I missed a concert. You're going to cancel what? You're going to cancel my football yeah. season? Yeah. Uh, unacceptable. And I'm going to push back. And people pushed back. Well, and I, I love it. And whether whether it's political or not, yeah. when when you release your bylaws and 90% of it's redacted, and when you refuse <laughs> to be transparent on some things, you open yourself up to the speculation that it is. Now, maybe it wasn't. Maybe they were waiting on this medical revolution, as some may lead you to believe. But it's been so shady and so yeah. you know, so heavy-handed initially like and they and and the comment that still just gets to me is when they said I didn't you know we didn't expect this kind of backlash <laughs> that is so tone deaf to the conference that you're supposed to represent that alone tells me you're in the wrong position you shouldn't be there because the reaction from one state alone you know the furthest west state you have should have told you that, no, we we really want to play football. That's kind of what we do here. That's what we thought this conference was about. And you clowns are telling me, no, won't be revisited. Yeah. Go away now. Well, And that's actually something that, that Kevin Warren did mention today. And I'll, I'll say this personally, is I'm really a lot of the criticism that, that uh, has been, been displayed over the last uh, couple months, you know, it really... I take it as we have a we, – we're, we're passionate. We're passionate in the Big Ten. We have passionate student-athletes. We have passionate families. We have passionate fans. And so I take that from a positive standpoint. Well, there was Kevin Warren on uh, BTN today. And, uh, you know, Boomer, they handled this press release very differently than in August, right? Uh, In August, it was Kevin Warren, the one-man show. Today, there was six people on a Zoom call. I believe five of them outranked Kevin Warren. They even threw in an associate, uh, a Big Ten commissioner in there of some sort, I, just for the heck of it. I don't know. How, how do you think uh, the Big Ten handled it today? 
with the reveal and and everything. Well, like you said, this was totally different, and this is really how they should have handled that initial decision. If you're going to cancel, or, or I guess it was suspend at the time, you know, your season, and the presidents are out there, they're the ones who voted on this, you should be represented out there too. You can't, you shouldn't just hide behind Kevin Warren. I mean, he's taken a lot of flack for this, this last month or so, and rightfully so. He's done a terrible job doing the one thing he's primarily hired to do, be that face for the company, be that liaison, be that spokesperson. He's done a lousy job at that over the last, you know, month. But, you know, we've, we've said it before, other people have said it, it wasn't his decision to suspend everything. That was that 11 to 3 vote. There were 11 people that decided to they wanted to suspend the season and they were hiding behind him the whole time. Had they had a plan back then saying, "Okay, we're suspending the season. We're going to start in we have a target date of November to start." And I think maybe we would have all been okay with that. You wouldn't have had such a big pushback or if you would have had your spring season planned out, maybe we wouldn't have liked it as much, but we might have accepted it. Or if you would have just said, okay, we're going to revisit it in mid-September and see where the testing is or whatever it is, I think you wouldn't have had the pushback. You see today's kind of press release, okay, here's the plan, here's criteria, here's numbers, everybody can see things. You've got a, you know, nine weeks of games you know, with the, with the conference title game. There's something tangible people can look at, judge, and make sense of. That's what was lacking when the initial decision. When you've got those voids, you know, basic management communication, people are going to fill in missing information what they want it to be. That's where you get those conspiracy theories bubbling up, the politics angles of it, people getting angry and frustrated, and that's how you get lawsuits. So this is the better way to handle it. You have that press release, you have a nice Big Ten meeting with lots of people out there, lots of everybody giving their takes on it, explaining things in better detail, clearing up what you know community means versus team when it comes to numbers. So that's yep. what you need to do. So I guess if we've learned anything, good job Big Ten on handling you know remote learning. We've learned a lot about management and communication over the last month. Great job. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly right, Boomer. In the sense that it felt like they forgot everything that they had gotten so good at under Jim Delaney, great at PR and. Their messaging, whether you liked it or not, they were on point with all of that under Jim Delaney and were very consistent and had this type of approach. And they completely forgot it, apparently. So I, I would like to blame Kevin Warren for everything, and, and he probably deserves a large amount of the blame uh, because he is the leader of the top there. But at the same time, you have to blame uh, the rest of the Big Ten conference staff. I mean, there's got to be folks still in that office that had been working for years and say like, you know, we, we did it this way last time. Why are we not doing it again like that? And that didn't happen. And with a PR, they just didn't have everything prepared. And, uh, and in five weeks, that, ch that changed a lot. So Honky, let's uh, start taking a deeper dive into what we've learned from the Big Ten today on, on some of the testing and the protocols and, and all these different things and hopefully answer some questions with the mailbag. Yeah, well, let's go to the uh, the mailbag, which started to bring some of the questions that were talked about today during the, during the press conferences. And uh, we had Michelle and Gabe, both of them basically kind of asking the same question about high standards that seem to be out there right now. Michelle says, I'm not trying to be pessimistic, but do you think... Do you think that the details, eight games in eight weeks, no COVID flexibility, populations, positivity rate canceling games, uh, is that setting the conference up to fail? Gabe uh, agreed with that as well, just that there's zero room for error. Now, I think as we're learning, the populations positivity rate, I think that's been kind of confused a little bit, Dave, that people are thinking that's the, the population rate of the actual city, and that's not exactly what was meant by community. 
you're exactly right. Uh, there's there's two positivity rates uh, in those protocols, and uh, one is the team, and one is the population. And I think that left a lot of things up to interpretation. People jumped to conclusions. And Boomer, my understanding on this is that essentially it's it's two versions of the team. Um, the first one is the players themselves. Uh, in the next, uh, the population is the larger. Uh, team in the sense of staff, ad- admin, all those type of things, um, and um, is just a larger group, but is not uh, the student body. It is not the city. It's not the state. It's not the country. Anything like that. Yeah, that's correct. That's basically the description of how it was uh, put out by the Big Ten. It's the community or the, the population that they put. It's the the people that the team is and the, the players are in regular contact with. So, like I said, the coaches, the staff, the trainers. You know, anyone else that they'll be frequenting during a season, you know, they'll be included in that measure. So, which makes some sense. You know, you can you can control that sort of thing. You can test those people regularly. Where, you know, things outside in Lincoln or you know, the greater Chicago area that's outside the purview of what a what a university can control. And you know, kind of getting back to Gabe and Michelle's questions. Yeah, these are stringent standards. And you know what? I, I in a way, I'm kind of okay with that. If that's what it takes to have football done. Let's do it as safe as possible. And I actually like the fact if the Big Ten is going to do it, let's let's set ourselves a good bar. Let's show that we can do this sort of stuff. Honky mentioned it earlier that this is a high bar. This is, you know, work we have to get done. You know, you compare it to some of the attitudes that some of the other schools have taken. You know, a lot of people were hitting uh, LSU hard this week. Cause what was it they'd said? Well, you know, like 75 players in our team have had it. Hope we can't get it again. That was kind of the attitude they were taking. And if people do it right and they follow the, the protocols that you can establish you're testing regularly there's no reason it can't work can you say that like ed orgeron said it though boomer <laughs> <laughs> well yeah, you know them boys are just gonna get to get out of covid you get it at one time and you can play <laughs> <laughs> one of the interesting thing that that kind of came out of those questions though was that it was a lack of trust in the big 10 based off of what happened over the last five to six weeks and they're, they're looking at it through a lens of they're trying to set us up to fail. Whether that's true or not, some people are seeing it that way, that they're perceiving it because I think they've just been bitten so many times now over the last five or six weeks. I've heard this several different times today, and it's the idea of, like, we're not going to get in all eight games in. I mean, they're not going to get all eight games in. Look at all the postponements we're seeing over the last first weeks of the season. Well, that's going to happen to the Big Ten, too. Um, but I, I do really think that they believe the daily rapid testing is a game changer. Now you can say that that's actually been out there for months. Um, and, uh, other schools have started already doing that. So, um, the big 10 acting like this is a, a massive revelation seems a little bit uh, odd, but the reality is, is that if you test every single player, when they walk into the facility every morning, you, not only eliminate any sort of liability issues with, you know, allowing them to play football with COVID because you've proved that they, they didn't have COVID, but the contract tracing now becomes down to a minimum and you really should never have a huge outbreak because every day you are monitoring that and not allowing anything to happen. And so I feel like Mac that even though it's a really tight window, it's essentially nine weeks to do nine games they believe they can get this done. Listen, everybody was begging for the chance, right? We were begging for the chance to play. Here's your chance. So this goes back on the players too. You better handle your business 
when you're not on the field. You, you want to play, then prove it. Don't go to those parties. You know, don't go out to Quadoba or however it has to go down. You guys asked for the opportunity. People mm-hmm. went to the wire to make sure you had this opportunity. Yes, the bar is high. And yes, the Big Ten, Big Ten the heck out of these rules. <laughs> but there's a map. Follow the map. We can have every yeah. single game. And you can only control what you can control, right? You can only You can only be in control of your... Your program, but Dave, you're right. If we're testing every day and it's these rapid tests, then immediately know who's who's got it and who needs to be separated. Um, however, you need to go about protecting, you know, certain position groups, particularly the quarterback, right? I mean, because you know that that's sort of a main guy. Maybe we should separate the quarterback room. I don't know how we're going to do that. I don't know how that could be done. It needs to be looked at. You know, as soon as they drop the schedule, and you know, as soon as they drop these rules. You already see some Husker fans on Twitter kind of complaining, kind of whining about this. I ain't hearing that, man. We got a chance, so so make it make it work. Drive forward, do your best, and and get ready to play some ball. Well, you know, if if that's what you came here to do, if that's everything I was told or heard was, you know, we got to give these guys an opportunity to do the thing that they love. Mm-hmm. Well, this that's <clears throat> what that's the rules are there. Yeah, they're they're clear and 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 laid out in front of you. You follow it. Or get off the team, man. Well, it's like we said at the very beginning of this. The hard part starts now. Now you got to do what the protocols and everything that are in place. But all 14 t- uh, schools obviously agreed on these protocols. So we all think that, you know, I, I don't think schools are trying to set themselves up for failure here. We think that we can do this. And let's be the leader in this. Um, one of the other questions, Dave, that kind of came out of the mailbag about today from Jim in Minnesota. He was on our show back earlier in the spring. Um, he said, do you think Nebraska still has some fight in them against these ridiculous concessions, specifically, most notably, the fans in the stands? Honestly, I don't think I don't think there is a lot more fight in this. I think we have to take what we got. <clears throat> um, I, I do think, I think Ronnie Green made it clear today that it's a fluid situation. Mm-hmm. Thank God he says this because these hard and fast, we're never going to revisit statements that Kevin Warren would make that's just dumb so I'm not saying it's impossible right it's it's it is possible but let's not worry about it right now I'll go back to what I said earlier this is of course a fluid and dynamic situation when I said we know a lot more today than we knew in August 11th I think we're going to know a lot more in November than we know today and we will continue to evaluate what those conditions are Um, it is not lost on me that there are other conferences that are playing and competing as well, as we know has started over the last couple of weeks, and we'll see more of uh, here in the coming weeks ahead. And there are examples of where that is being done successfully. And so we will continue to learn uh, more as we move forward. All right. I mean, if come November, um, it that suddenly becomes a, an, an opportunity, sure. But are we going to go to our grave swearing at the Big Ten that they didn't let let Nebraska fans in for those four games that we have at home? Um, let Let's not do that, right? I think uh, Bill Moose made some really good points today that they can be innovative on how to involve fans. Um, we've seen that with the NBA, for example, et cetera. So I'm excited to see what they could potentially do. Um, you know, they're not going to allow tailgating on campus or in, you know, university property, but I, I mean, outside of that, that's going to be in the city of, of Lincoln's realm. So that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But I still think that a lot of people will go out and support the businesses 
um, in downtown and in, in Lincoln. I know we could tailgate at Madsen's. I know for <laughs> sure. I know for sure we could tailgate at Madsen's. Well, hey, that would, and that, the other thing I would say, and I do agree with you, Dave, but. <laughs> I, I would never underestimate the fight of the Husker fan base. And if you say we can't go to games, I mean, the Big Ten's got to stop treating their programs like they're their children because we're not your children. You work for us. You know, like we're, we're in this. You don't, <laughs> I just think it's, it just feels a lot of this is like, okay, you guys, we're going to let you have this, but you can't have this. And it just feels like such a, such a parental negotiation. It kind of bugs yeah. me. So I think that's fair to say, Mac. I I don't I, I didn't say that they wouldn't fight it. I'm just saying it's probably not worth fighting. No, and, and I and point. I kind of agree with you. But I, I there's just well, there's a part of me that sort of I don't know. I can be a petty guy. Moose you know? <laughs> made it very clear that he didn't want this to be an issue that we died on trying to fight it right now. Right. Let's let's get the games going. And as Chancellor Green said, and I think said it very well. Things change. I think we all understand that this is not a static conversation. You know, the the world we live in around COVID nineteen and mitigating COVID nineteen is not one that's static. It's dynamic. It's fluid. We continue to learn more. Uh, knowing what we know today about point of care antigen tests is considerably more than what we knew uh, going into early August. Uh, that is something that has changed dramatically for us. But I will say we pushed hard, and we pushed uh, repeatedly hard for getting to this point, and I thank my colleagues who did that as well. Okay, they've changed since six weeks ago, and there's no reason to think that things won't change here over the course of the next month and two months. That that could change, and we could revisit, let's use that word, we could revisit this idea of, of fans in the stands. But right now, on September 16th or whatever today is, Let's not make that be the issue that prevents us from moving forward. And so I think that that was really good there. You know, I think something that's coming out of this where a difference between August 9th or whatever that date was when they when they shut everything down and today was the amount of people that were involved in the decision today compared to in early August. In early August, as we found out, it was Kevin Warren and silos and just going and talking directly with, with presidents and all that. Well, now they've had these committees in place where ADs have been involved, uh, coaches have been involved, medical people have been involved, the, the presidents and chancellors. The, you know, So it's been a lot more collaborative. That's good. I also think I, I've read a few things I think where Moose has said over the course of the last month that you know in the future, especially as we're talking about sports-related, athletic-related issues, we're going to get the ADs more involved, and that probably makes sense. Just the way university budgets are set up, athletic departments are usually kind of separate on their own anyways, and this affects them when you mm. shut down. It's crazy to say it this way, but at some of these schools where these presidents seem to have not worried about it, Michigan specifically, and it comes to mind, you know, it doesn't necessarily affect the president's budget to close the athletic department. As crazy as that sounds, because they're kind of on their own. So in the same month that the, the president of, of Michigan can go out there and say, we can't safely play football, but he'll welcome 45,000 students back to Ann Arbor. It's the thing that I've appreciated so much about Nebraska's leadership throughout this is they've been consistent about everything. We think we can do football. We think we can mm-hmm. have students on campus. Yep. We didn't say it's going to go perfect. We didn't say there wasn't going to be any cases or anything, but we're going to stay focused and we're going to have protocols in place. We're going to do the right things. And I think we've, we've been a leader in that. So again, as it moves forward, we may have fans in the stands by the end of the year. We might and we might not, but you know what? We're going to have football at least, and that's a, that's a step in the right direction. I hope I'm not jumping the gun here, but I, I missed the show production meeting. When are we <laughs> going to announce the, the Go Big Redcast rapid testing at our tailgates? 
because <laughs> we, we, we've, I've, I've been in contact with the company. It, it's, it's, uh, apparently you take like three shots of Everclear and then you just stop caring about COVID. Well, well, M- Mountain Jess, uh, she asked the question. We have tailgated with Mountain Jess and she asked, you know, my question for the Redcast is if tailgating is not going to be the same, how do you all plan on making game day feel similar to old days? Boomer, I'll, I'll start with you. I mean, what, do you have a tradition or a ritual you're going to go with? Well, uh, a lot more ample time to come up with some uh, Redcast and the Rocks recipes, so I'm sure I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll see that going here. And, oh, I'm sure we'll, I'll probably do a few things out in the, the driveway just for old time's sake, you know, deep fry something and grill or cook something up just for the heck of it. And, heck, maybe you guys can stop by for COVID-free if you if you pass your tests. So that'll be a good way to start, I think. So what about you, gentlemen? Well, I, I would guess that Dave will still be playing Republicas ready to go at the beginning of every college football Saturday. Oh, right? yeah, that was a good one. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. That is my tradition. If anybody had ever visited 744 Charleston Street in the era of you know 1995-96, you would have known that before we walked over to the uh, stadium, we would always play ready to go like multiple times, which uh, pumped us up appropriately. Uh, so that that that's a tradition, absolutely. Have you not been playing that over the last couple of decades? Is that where we've gone awry? Maybe that's it. Maybe I need to play that more consistently every every morning uh, before we play. I'll do it. I'm in. Because it sure sure worked in the mid '90s. I'll tell you that. Well, I think uh, maybe the last question then from the mailbag that kind of affects what was going on today during the press conferences has to deal with the schedule itself, and we don't have a lot of answers yet, and that's. What the questions are about is, you know, when do we know who we're going to be playing? But Blake asked, you know, let's go. When do you think we'll get the schedule release? Uh, Mike and Marty, they likes to party. Uh, they asked. <laughs> they don't cause trouble. <laughs> they don't bother nobody. They asked, do you know why the start date is later than first suggested? There will not be any off week then, or will there maybe be games on another day other than Saturday? Uh, really excited to see the season finally begin. You know, I was a little confused when I first saw that, Dave. You know, October 24th, I, we really thought it was going to be October 17th. But as we learned, it's kind of an 8 plus 1 scenario anyways. So it's going to start on the 24th, but it sounds like everyone's going to play a ninth game on the day of the championship. Yeah, that's right. You know, that 8 plus 1 idea had been thrown about a couple different times, and that had, again, an opportunity to be interpreted different ways, right? The 8 plus 1, does that mean there's a non-conference game that we can play? 8 plus 1, does that mean the plus 1 is just the Big Ten championship game? In this instance, uh, it was truly 8 plus 1 in the sense that you get everybody gets one additional game on December 19th. Not only does the Big Ten championship game between uh, the East and West uh, champs uh, happen, but everyone else, two versus two, three versus three on down the line, would potentially be played that weekend. Is that how they would do that, Dave? Were they going to do it east versus west? Yep, that's my my basic understanding, and they would try to avoid rematches to the degree possible, so they might flip that a little bit. Maybe if, you know, four versus four had already played, they might try to do four versus five or something like that. Um, So, but I mean, think about that. A... All of this was compromise, and so I'm sure Nebraska and other schools wanted to start on the 17th. Heck, they wanted to start on the 10th, right? Um, but there might have been other schools that said, hey, we're not ready. Uh, we need more time. There's there's Rutgers. There is Michigan State. Iowa sent their players home recently. Um, Wisconsin has, uh, stopped uh, team activities. Penn State had stopped team activities. So the compromise must have been to push back to the 24th. And a solution to make sure that at least they had nine games on the schedule is to do this really unique um, kind of like 
um, reward to the end of the season of getting one extra game. Uh, these could be at neutral sites. We're not quite for certain yet, so they may get rewarded by going to, a, let's say, a you know, a dome and playing in a in a big city. Because reality is, bowl season is going to be very different, guys. And unless you are qualifying for the college football playoff or a New Year's Six game, there's just may not be a lot of other bowl games to go to. Yeah, Moose did make some statement today about oh, did he? about that. And the coaches, um, they're competitors too. They they want to be playing. They care about their their players. And uh, now there's a, a a sigh of relief. They still have to wait a while, but at least we can start to prepare and 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 look forward to a competitive season. And hey, there's championships out there. There's bowl games out there now. There's uh, uh, top twenty five uh, ratings. There's all these things, and now we can be involved with and be included. You know, depending on how we perform. But I think back to your point, though, Dave, about they're going to do their best not to have repeat games, if at all possible. That kind of goes to the question that Justin sent us, which is, so who are our crossovers? And, of course, he assumed it's Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State. Again, we don't know yet, but <laughs> totally fair, Justin, that uh, you know, you'd make that It'll assumption. It'll be Ohio State and Penn State for well, sure. Some of the stuff I have read, though, is they were going to try to stick to the to that brief schedule that they'd released earlier. Um, you know, for six days before they they whacked everything <laughs> earlier this season, and they, I, what I'd heard is they were going to try to stick to that as closely as possible. Where you know you had your three crossovers there, you'd have to drop one of them, obviously. So, uh, who are our crossovers on that schedule? Was that it? was Rutgers, Penn State, and Ohio State. Yeah, so drop one of those, and frankly, you who know, do you think they're going to drop, Boomer? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I, mean, yeah. I, I think. I think it was Mitch Sermon. I, I can't remember who, where I heard this, but it was some interesting intel is that at least one of our crossovers would be our quote-unquote permanent crossover, which apparently that's never actually been clarified. But Ohio State has, is on our schedule for six years straight. So for those six years, that was considered a permanent crossover. Now, the next six years, we may have a new permanent crossover, but apparently six years is permanent. I think we play yeah. Michigan a bunch of years in a row once we get done with, with Ohio I State. So, so. Maybe they so be- they'll, be our new, they'll be our new permanent. Which will also solidify our Ohio State brethren. That's right. And if we're only going to get eight games or so this year, I mean, if with such a limited schedule, would you do you even want to play Rutgers? Wouldn't you rather get a shot at Ohio State yeah, and Penn no, State? Oh my gosh! Yeah, and then so no, <laughs> my gosh, we're going to play Ohio State. Yeah, I want. Yeah, I want Rutgers. <laughs> oh come on! Where's your challenge? Come on, enjoy it. So the other thing that I, I heard in that quote, and again, I think it was from Mitch Sherman, was that the other crossover would be the. The away, the West going to the East game, essentially, um, which in our case would be um, Penn State or, or vice versa. Maybe it's East going West. So it does sound like, even though it sounds like conspiracy theory, it may be very likely that Ohio State and Penn State are the two teams we play. Yeah. And then obviously a third in the um, December 19th window. Well, that'd be which, the championship if, game, obviously, Dave. So, Which either we're, we're playing Ohio State again or, hey, maybe if we're finishing third or fourth, maybe that's a Michigan or an Indiana or something like that. Mm. Well, I know we're going to finish with uh, some scarlet-colored glasses. We're going to actually talk some football, which is a fun way to, to get out of this. But before we do, we have one last mailbag question. This came from coworker Eric, so I'm going to direct it to you, Boomer. Uh, how are they going to keep up with the concession uh, temperature standards if they won't sell tickets to the public? Well, again, this is where I hope uh, 
And I have faith in the university and athletic department. I think they're going to be able to maintain that same sort of staff. They're going to be practicing even in these off hours in the off season. They're going to be able to maintain testing standards with the staff. And I, I think it'll be good practice going forward to the next season. They'll keep those runs of temperatures up, those hot dogs to an ideal temp. And um, <laughs> I, I, I have faith that the University of Nebraska will be able to handle this. And, and, and there hasn't been one single case of contact tracing off of a runza. That's true. I, I know true. that to be a fact. Well, and Boomer, will, will Iowa have a proper hot dog to bun ratio this year? Well, they couldn't manage it the one year, so I don't know what'll change this year. Even <laughs> ordering for nobody, they'll still screw it up somehow. <laughs> And now, Scarlet Colored Glasses. All right, guys, we're putting on our Scarlet Colored Glasses and talking football. How is that? It's a miracle, it feels like. (laughs) It has been a long road. Oh, my gosh. As Bob Seeger would say, we're turning the page, and we are now talking football. So, Honky, let's let's start where we always do with roster management. Where are we at? There's been a lot of stuff going on, recruiting, transfers, etc. Yeah, I mean, it's been so many weeks since we last met, I don't even want to go through all the changes, but I think that I'm going to just kind of break it into two basic things. We've had some players leave, yeah. specifically kind of a Florida bunch, and then we've had some new recruits and specifically a local bunch, Omaha and Omaha metro area guys that have come in, so... Let's talk first about those Florida kids. And, you know, it is a shame. And, and we've lost some kids that, you know, came in with some pretty high accolades, uh, Keyshawn Green and Francois and Henry Gray. And so, you know, I, I don't know. I think it's kind of become a an issue or at least it's something that's risen up. Was, it was their problems or what's going on. And, and I don't know. I think some of that maybe is getting kind of overblown, you think? Or yeah, I think so, Hunk. I mean, to your, to your point on that, it, it's the Florida guys. Right, and it's the Florida guys who came 1,500 miles away to play football in a year where they didn't even get spring practice, and then the Big Ten took football away from them for a while. Um, tough situation to be in. Um, all these guys are uber-talented and seem like would have been great fits for us. Look, whether they got homesick or they had family leaning on them, I don't know, but they all went back to Florida schools. Group of five Florida schools, if I'm not mistaken, um, and, and that's, that's it, right? I mean, outside of the first year of the Scott Frost regime where we did have a lot of turnover, it's really only been, I don't know, maybe is it four guys or so that have, have left and, and most of them now in the last few months. So I think it is a little bit overblown. We'll see where this goes. A hundred percent. And if the Big Ten hadn't been dragging its feet this entire time, who's to say that Keyshawn Green leaves? You know, like if if, sure. if you could have been shown that hey, in a, in a couple of weeks we're going to be playing some football, and and you can play as a true freshman without any fear of eligibility loss, maybe he stays. You know, and I know that there was some speculation that he had some family issues at home, but it's amazing what a little football can can do for you. You know, yeah. I mean, he came here to play ball, like you said, Dave, and you but but you leave. And you're 1,500 miles from home, and you don't get to do the thing that you were promised you could do when you come here. And you're in a conference that is is doing nothing but feeding you just piles and piles of uh, what what Biff would say was manar. You know, I mean, it was just it was just manar. And, and I can't blame the kids for going back there, and I certainly won't blame the staff for the loss of these recent Florida guys. Two of those guys. You know, that, that was a little bit different scenario, but yeah. so you take you 
if you're just talking, Keyshawn Green was the one guy that I think we could keep. I'd put that squarely at the feet of the the Big Ten Conference, and 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 we're not the only ones a victim of this. Sure. Rondell Moore is is he's not for sure to play. Micah Parsons is he coming back or not? You know, Ohio State's has some defections, yeah. so there are consequences for how the Big Ten handled this, yeah. and and every team is going to feel that. Hey Boomer, could you add to this a little bit on some of these? players that have opted out like Micah Parsons or Sean Wade or Wyatt Davis at Ohio State and if they haven't taken any benefits um, or signed agents or whatever I mean can they come back what's the story there yeah I believe as long as you haven't you know signed with an agent and taken money or anything like that at this point you should be able to come back I mean you can tweet anything you want but I think until pen meets paper you're still allowed back and then again Given as crazy as this year has been, who knows with the NCAA allow players back this year? Heck, they probably could at this point. Yeah, so, it seems. Yeah, like I don't think anything's out of the realm of possibility here. I I think I saw on BTN where James Franklin was getting interviewed. I don't know if anybody else saw this, and then their tight end uh, Frank Muth, I believe, mm-hmm. um, just like randomly comes up and he's like, "Yeah, I I think I'm going to play" or something like that. Right? So I think we're going to see a lot of this. We've seen it with the SEC players. There's a Vanderbilt guy. There's an LSU guy that just said that, you know, came back that were opting out and then they opt back in. I tweeted it out the second that those Ohio State guys, you know, uh, made their announcements here just in the last week. I tweeted it out right away. I'm like, well, that really doesn't mean anything. Unless you go out there and hire agents, I think you can say that you're going to, you know, opt out and still come back. And if that was for a second, let's just, in fact, I think one of them today, I think it was the lineman, actually said, yeah, I'm going to play. So one of the Ohio State guys has already come back. Yeah, it sounds right. And that's great. Good. Yeah. If And if their statements, whether they were true or if they were there to kind of help push the needle to the Big Ten to make a decision, I don't care. Whatever they did, look, this is a weird year. We've said it all along. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have a few th- weird things happen. Uh, these Florida kids, they come 1,500 miles to play football, and they don't get to play football, and they, and they made the decisions they made. And so, you know, as we do with any player that leaves Nebraska, we always wish them well. We never say bad things about the kid. They, they're doing what they think is best and, and good for them. But I think to your point, Dave, well, I'm not – We con- never say bad things, but Dan Walken will say well, bad things about a kid. Like oh, that. my God, Walken. Yeah, let's – sheesh. What a, but he's a professional journalist, so wow. that's okay to then what say a, bad things. You know, What uh, a hose hound, man. But <laughs> – but I think to Dave's point uh, is that this isn't a more systemic issue, and that's where I think it's good to just kind of cut that off. And I think Sean Callahan wrote a really good thing. I think it was on the Tunnel Talk a week or so back where you know he even broke down the numbers kind of just like you did there, Dave, where it's like, look, it's not as serious. It, it, it's more contained to just this group of Florida guys. And so anyways, like I said, from a roster management standpoint, we've had two different types of things happen. We've had these Florida kids leave, but we've also had some new recruits come in, and very specifically, local guys. We've had Kobe Bretts and A.J. Rollins, two Omaha kids. We've had Thomas Fedoni. I mean, this is the big this is the big guy, the big git. This guy might be a five-star when it's all done, right? You know, a Council Bluffs kid, uh, you know, uh, the third Iowa kid mm-hmm. coming to Nebraska yeah. here. I mean, and, and then we've also got New Jersey linebacker, uh, Micah Gabor, Gibior, I'm... You'll learn his name when he gets to campus. Micah, Micah gonna hurt you? Uh, I I don't know how you say his name either, but it doesn't matter. Look, Dave, I still say the polar bear, because I can't ever get Nash (laughs) Hutmacher in my... Am I saying yes, it right? Oh that my is god! Correct. That, was your, that was your best one. And he's here. I and think I you called him Hut Nashmacher one time. Nash Hoochmacher. <laughs> it's French Romanian. I know. Um, 
<laughs> so anyways, the point is, from a roster management standpoint, we've lost a few kids. We brought in a few kids. One thing that's happening because we lost some kids is that we are going to have a larger class this year than originally planned. That's okay. We're sitting at like, I should have the numbers right in front of me, but we're sitting at like 20 guys or 20, so right 21, now. somewhere in that range. Somewhere in that range. And from my perspective, where I've always said a perfect class is about half and half, half national guys, half 500-mile radius guys. Yeah. Boy, it's looking really good right now. And one other guy that I want to throw out there is, is Norris recruit James Carney. Now, he's not a, a Husker offer yet, although that could be happening anytime. He did decommit from Miami of Ohio. Uh, he's a tight end, kind of defensive end kind of guy. He just received an offer from Iowa. I would not be the slightest bit surprised to, to see him get a Nebraska offer here. It's, it's unfortunate. It's a tight end heavy year, and we've got the top tight end within the radius to already commit. And Rollins could be that tight end, maybe sure. an outside linebacker. Sure. You know, but, but this kid is absolutely deserving of an offer, but it does at some point become a numbers game. And unfortunately for him, he he kind of sprung up late in his career, so he was one of the late bloomers, which happens all the time. But it just happened in a position that we we we're kind of stacked in right now. I hope we get him. I hope we can come on board. There's there's lots of opportunity for. Do you think he could be an athlete or a hockey's point a, a DN? I mean, you know, we've already seen someone like Piper or, or Banks, guys that have moved from one side to the other. Yeah, exactly. I honestly feel I feel like Rollins might be the guy that switches sides of the ball Great point. and becomes an outside linebacker. Yeah. And then that would open the door for him. Well we're not and, so- and let's not we're not recruiting out of our minds on the outside linebacker position. Well, we're not stacked at tight end as as much as we think. We are in the very short term of the next year, but you're going to graduate Stoll, and then, and then the next year you're going to graduate Vokalek, Raftel, and, and Austin Allen. And really, all you have after that is a Chris Hickman, Hickman right yeah. now who's young and has switched to wide receiver. Now he might switch back. So Fedoni comes in. My gosh, you have uh, Rollins, and then – I mean, after that, Carney. Uh, honestly, the, that could be a spot that we would want to go. But after. The, the, it's it's a weird it's it's such a weird year though because if everybody gets a reset on this yeah, year on their true. eligibility, then I don't know how that exactly plays out. Some of those guys might that's leave true. if if you have a really good year. But it, it just the 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 water is really muddy on some of this stuff. I would yeah. I will go on the record saying I want the kid if he's a power five offer kid at Norris. Mm-hmm. He should come to Nebraska. I, I mean, I feel strongly about that. I would, I would, I would probably guess that the staff feels that way as well. But if you're going to give everybody a redo on this year, the scholarship numbers become kind of an issue, especially in a year where you're financially down. And we're talking about this stuff because sure. it, it's it, it's a reality. You know, everybody gets. A, Kind of twisted on this. Well, these these NCAA are making all the money off the backs of these young players, man. Well, it only takes a few a few missed games for those budget numbers to come way down. <laughs> so, I, I hope people understand what this athletic department is up against. I'm sure that they want him. I'm sure they want him. It's just going to be a matter of do we have some scholarships become available? Do some guys transfer out? Do some sure. guys finally decide to go eligible? But he's a guy that is a hundred percent. 100% worth an offer. Yeah, and I think there's also some strong tight end classes going forward in future classes, right? So, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, it just seems like, uh, it's, you know, bountiful right now in that position. So, hopefully we get him. Um, mm-hmm. Toy understand. Hopefully he doesn't go to Iowa, but, you know, look, the guy's got a, a power five offer, and that's great. And yeah. And as far as I'm concerned, I've always said I, I've always thought that five a year out of Nebraska is power five, not just D one, but power five. And right now, if, with Carney getting the the Iowa one, that's the seventh power five in state kid. 
right now. Nebraska's got four of them. We didn't get Dickerson. We didn't get uh, Cluster's kid. But uh, this is number seven. <laughs> I, I just like that you said Cluster's kid. I just I don't. Is it Caden? I don't commit names to memory until they get here. And I, like I said, it took me two years. DeMornay Pearsonell, I could never get the name right. So he was like a soft. I think he was a freshman All American. I still couldn't say his name right. And, and I'm just. I, Stein cooler took and me forever. Brent when I was Popowell doing. just rolls off your tongue. Popowell, no problem, <laughs> no problem. Those those Australian guys. Yeah. So anywho, um, I guess that catches us up. That's a long way around to catch us up with roster management. But Dave, that's a, that's where we're at. Thanks, Hawk. That very informative. <laughs> I guess to get the the mailbag back involved, and since we're talking some football, coworker Eric is here to help us out. And uh, he said, "Can we get a one or two deep uh, projected depth chart rundown?" Um, I think we can probably hold some of that for some future shows as we get towards the season. But it is that we get to actually start talking roster and football and, and players. And, you know, Mac, you said it earlier, we don't want to have the quarterbacks probably in the same room and, and, and have some, you know, some breakout. Well, you know, we've got all of our guys right now. We've mm-hmm. got Martinez. We have McCaffrey. We have, you know, you know, Smothers here. So, you know, it's, it's time, it's fun times now to start seeing these guys get developed and, and, and see, you know, where we go. They're going to start getting 20 hours a week of practice. They've been doing 12 up to this point. They're going to start putting the pads on. And, I mean, they're ready to go. This is not like, you know, as much as Dan Walken wanted to make it sound like they needed six months, they're ready. Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit, Honk. You know, it does sound like a few other programs of the Big Ten may not be as ready. Uh, maybe Boomer has a thought on this, too. I don't know. I mean, do you feel like right now that Nebraska is as prepared as any other Big Ten program to start um, on October 24th, and is that somehow an advantage? Boomer, let's say Wisconsin, for example. They don't have their players uh, in team activities right now for another week or 10 days, I think. Well, let's say if we happen to play Wisconsin in week two of the season here, will we have some sort of advantage um, due to all the things that we've done to set ourselves up? Well, you'd have to think so. I mean, if, if we believe any of this stuff, you know, in the preseason and fall practice matters, yeah, you'd have to say we would. Uh, Nebraska seemed to be one of the most unified schools as far as this entire process have gone. We've covered that as nauseam already. The coaching staff, the ADs have shown, you know, how, you know, the interest they have in the team. We should be as united as we've ever been as a program in, in many years. And, you know, we've been on campus. We've been at least going through those 12-hour walkthroughs, you know, best they can in this, in, in this time period. And I would be willing to bet we're probably going to hit the ground running better than most other programs who are still be getting everybody back. And, I mean, Wisconsin suspended activities to win. I Was it like the 24th or something, I think? Yeah, something like that. That sounds about right. It's yeah. going to be a week or so until they're even, you know, back and ready to go. So you're already going to have advantages there. You know, I, I, there were videos today showing, you know, Martinez going back into the you know, the stadium today, you know, meeting people. So the teams there, we should be able to just have an instant head start over everybody, and that can't not be an advantage for Nebraska. You know, Boomer, I, I think you're exactly right. I think another interesting thing here is uh, player motivation. I, I think that how Frost campaigned so hard for his players, similar to Ryan Day and, and Harbaugh and, and Franklin, um, and where we didn't hear anything from PJ Fleck or, or Paul Christ or those guys. I think it, look, I mean, it's, it's more than just being unified as a team and motivation. There's a lot of talent that comes involved here, et cetera, et cetera. So that's not going to solve everything. But if there was a year where the Nebraska players are going to play a little bit harder, 
and feel a little bit more motivated because their coach and their staff and their state were behind them 100%, this would be the year where you would see that pay off. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes perfect sense, and, and you certainly would hope that is the case. Uh, you, you know, if that is a thing, we Nebraska's shown that in spades, Ohio State's shown that in spades, other schools... You're always hard to say what was going on behind the scenes at some of those programs, but you you know there were comments from like Fleck where he'd talk to well I talked to 30 players and like 30 for 30 and they all agreed to the Big Ten's decision. Okay, so what sort of motivation does that set for the entire program? Are you just kind of casually, yeah, taking this last month off? Where are you at mentally for this season? You know, you'd mentioned Wisconsin was pretty quiet and all this. I, I has Paul Chris talked since last year? I don't know. I've heard from Alvarez a few times, but I have no. It's idea. always going to be Alvarez. Granted. Alvarez pulls all the strings there anyway, but I have no idea what Paul Chris thinks about this whole this whole offseason and what their team thinks. And again, that should be an advantage to schools like Nebraska that have been unified and have shown motivation and interest in playing. So again, something else for Nebraska fans to look forward to. Getting back to what you were just talking about, I am baffled. And I, th- I don't know how many times I've said that on this show tonight. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of baffling things going on around here. Let's hashtag baffled. <laughs> Minnesota, the most obnoxious, outspoken coach in the Big Ten, has gone silent. And he's talked to 30 players that I go, yeah, coach, I actually didn't want to play this year. It's funny you bring that up. I hate football and I hate competing. But uh, last year we had one of our best years ever. But, yeah, I'd rather just sit this one up. Now's the time to take a pause. Actually, it's interesting you say that, though, is that he did talk today on BTN, and BTN was very clear about getting P.J. Fleck, and they had uh, Fitzgerald. And I like Fitzgerald. I like Fitzgerald. But but we're talking two coaches that have said nothing (laughs) at all. The the safest guys to get out there to talk about COVID-related, you know, know, to, to, to toe the old Big Ten line. Yeah, another thing on that I think is really interesting is like some of the conversations, especially when Dan Patrick and others. And look, I'm not going to blame anybody for for their sources reporting. It just it was a disaster by by so many accounts. I might blame a few people, Dave. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Let's blame Pat Forty, Dan Walken. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, and maybe a few others, but. Um, is the conversation of like, well, you know, Michigan State doesn't really want to play. I mean, you know, Maryland doesn't really want to play. Rutgers, what, what, I mean, they're they're starting from the ground up. They haven't had any spring practice. These guys don't want to play. And I was thinking about that today, and I'm like, you know, like Mel Tucker, for example, Michigan State. I mean, like, yeah, he probably knows he's going to lose a lot of games this year, but he's a competitor, right? I mean, that that, that dude wants to to win games. And how does his team get any better by not doing anything? Right, I mean, sure, he's going to lose a bunch of games this year, but how, by taking the year off entirely, is he going to be in that much better shape relative to other teams in 2021? It's ridiculous, right? I mean, this team will grow, and he'll get to know his team better by playing this year. So to, to me to say that someone like Mel Tucker didn't want to play, it's just, just mind-blowing, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, and how accountable are they going to be held anyway? I mean, it's an asterisk year. So, Absolutely. So, so why not go out there and put it out there and see what you have as a team? No one's really going to hold you that responsible for how your 2020 season goes. Even Jim Harbaugh, when he loses to Ohio State yet again, it, it, <laughs> he might get a pass. But Mel Tucker, honestly, he needs this year to see what he's got cooking. And and I get it. I get a little of the apprehension. You know, it's a, it, it's a tough position to be in. You're a brand-new coach. COVID hits. 
You don't get your spring ball. You're still learning your players. That's a. I'm not. I'm sure. not down. That's a crappy situation. Really, really crappy. But do it anyway, man. What What are we here for? Like, what How are, are you, you going to get better you, by sitting exactly? Sure. Let's Let's see what you have to deal with. Let's see what you need to recruit with. I yeah. know for a fact the message you don't want to send to potential recruits is right. we'd rather sit it out than figure out what we have. That's, that's a, a bad message. That's exactly the point right there. Is that this This wouldn't have made it any easier on the Tuckers and on those coaches that are new. If we Shiano sit out this too. year, yeah, and you're trying to get, you're trying to build a program from scratch, and you're doing it right as your conference just canceled football essentially for the year. That wouldn't have been any easier on those guys as you move into 2021 and 22 classes and all that. So, yeah, I mean, absolutely, this is, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be a weird year, but you know, look, but it's it, a year. It's a year. But it's a year we get to play. We get football here. Let's. Let me let me end it here with uh, our last mailbag question. This came from uh, Richard Hot Mike Fitzwell, and <laughs> that's a, that's an awkward name. I, I, Hot Mike Fitzwell. Ouch. <laughs> he goes first time, long time. He goes. Uh, McCaffrey was shown on BTN's return to football video they shared on social media. Does that mean he is Nebraska's QB? I'll hang up and listen. Um, I'll take this one. I, I don't think that means he's the QB, but it, I'll say this: by years in, we'll probably need every single quarterback we have. <laughs> we'll probably need every single one of them. So yeah, McCaffrey could be our guy. <laughs> I, 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 I do say, Mac, that I mean, with the redshirt rule here, essentially he's going to be a freshman again next year, right? He'd be a redshirt freshman in 2021. So there's absolutely, I mean. If, if we were to play McCaffrey as a whiteout more this year, there's absolutely zero loss in eligibility, right? That's a right? great point, Dave. That is a great point. It's, it, or even Smothers, for that matter. Like, yeah. if you want to work him into some packages, let's do it. As long as they're not in the same meeting room. I, I, you know, like, <laughs> put him in the wide receiver meeting room. I don't care. You know, like, put him in the kicker room. Like those, <laughs> be a holder all year and, and whatever. There's work cut out for us to have this season go off, and there will certainly be hiccups and hitches along the way. But man, guys, we at least have a chance to do it. I don't, I don't yeah. really care. I know we've got quarterbacks on this team somewhere sprinkled in. I'm sure, wasn't Snodgrass a quarterback? Sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, like guys, I don't are... care. I don't care. And can can, can Vedro come back? Rucker sucks. <laughs> <laughs> No holds barred. Whatever it goes. Take it away. <laughs> All right, let's get out of here, guys. This has been a lot of fun. Um, I haven't had this much fun talking football in a long time. Uh, but let's get out of here with some parting shots, and we'll start with Honky. All right, well, let's start with a, a compilation today from, from Hus Guys. And you guys always uh, show up on, on Twitter, man. I, I love you guys. Um, they kept every single bad tweet from national uh, media types uh the the august 8th pat 41 where he goes prominent industry source says i think by the end of the week the fall sports will be postponed in all conferences that was a good one pat uh you know <laughs> tom tom Don, is it dean hart dine hart i don't know. Dean Hart, I believe, yeah. I don't put these guys' uh, names to memory, obviously. Uh, but he goes uh, on on August 15th, medical experts have spoken. A bunch of letters are really going to change that, really, when he was talking about the letters that were coming in from the, the parent groups mm-hmm. and everything. Thanks, Tom. Uh, you know, Dan Walken, <laughs> you got to love this dude, right? But uh, from August 12th, he goes, again, if Nebraska isn't happy with the Big Ten, they should look elsewhere. I don't think anyone in the Big Ten is that worried. 
Well done, Dan. So Stepping also, in. well done, Husk guys. Good job, man. Way to call those guys out and, and uh, hold them to the fire. Um, again, I want to thank all the Nebraska people that were in leadership, you know, the, the chancellor and the president, the, the athletic director, the head coach, everyone, Board of Regents, they've all been on the same page. So I think that, the, you know, between them and the parent groups, the players, and you guys, Husker Nation, my God, we have – absolutely played a role in this today medical advances played a role in it don't get me wrong but when i'm watching btn today all i'm thinking of is this doesn't happen if the fight wasn't brought back to the big 10 from so many of you out there listening so well done to all of you well done to iowa and ohio state those people you know those schools that that were you know look this was a team effort man and this was not a 1 to 11 vote like we used to get in the big 12 there's a unified effort to go back against the conference, and that's why we're going to be playing some football. Let's do the right things now, and let's play some football. Last but not least, this is my own little soapbox here. You know, when we talk about COVID, in Lancaster County, it, it depends if you want to talk about numbers or not, but Governor Ricketts has always said multiple times that hospital capacity, hospitalization, that's going to drive the decisions that we make. And so right now, as we've heard the numbers in Lancaster go up and down, we have 320,000 residents. And as of at the end of last week, we had nine people hospitalized. Nine out of 320,000. I think one was on a ventilator. Okay, I'm not ever dismissing this virus. It is serious. Everyone needs to do their role. We still need to wear masks. We need to social distance. We need to do all the right things. But let's also make sure that there's a lot of numbers that get thrown out there. Oh my gosh, there's 150 cases today and 100 this and 100 that. The decisions that are being made are being driven by hospitalization numbers and and by having hospital uh, and medical facilities available, and that has not been an issue here. So I it, that's my soapbox just to throw it out there is that when you see those numbers, be thinking of those other numbers too. Recoveries and hospitalizations are every bit as important. All right. Thanks, Hawk. Let's go to Boomer. With the Big Ten coming back today, it was kind of interesting to see later this afternoon how the uh, – Waylon Smithers to the Big Ten, C. Montgomery Burns, uh, Larry Scott at the Pac-12 has been uh, expressing a lot of interest in getting the uh, football back up and running again, so uh, we may be seeing uh, the Pac-12 in California and the Oregon teams back up, and who knows what that could lead to, you know, postseason for everybody, maybe a, a Rose Bowl back for everyone, so have that to look forward to, and uh, did want to say, while we were recording this, the news did break that, uh, unfortunately, Larry Frost, uh, Scott's father, did pass away while we were recording this, and uh, the Redcast did want to give the condolences to the entire Frost family uh, for some, you know, for that event, and uh, your heart goes out to everybody on that. Yeah, thanks, Boomer. Um, I think, Mac, maybe you want to add to that? Yeah, I mean, that's a very, very sad, sad situation. I mean, it, anytime you lose... A, a father, a mother, it, it it really makes you think about where you are in life, and and I'm sure Coach Frost is is reeling right now. I know, you know he's always been very outspoken about how much his family and his his mom and dad had meant to him, and and the foundation of his principles. So I'm sure he is hurting. I just want Coach Frost to know that the Husker Nation is hurting with him. And just to piggyback a little bit off of what you said with the Husk guys and 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 whatnot, they're. There have been some clowns, Desmond, Forty, Wolken, but there's been some good guys out there. Mike Farrell's been a, oh, an yeah. advocate. Obviously, Pick Six Previews has been great this whole time. Tim Brando, he's been great this whole he's time amazing. too. So there, there, there's been there's been some support for us for football for the Big Ten this whole this whole way. And you know, 
I guess I just want to say thank you to those folks out there that actually looked at the situation for what it was. A program that wanted to play ball, a coach that went to bat mm-hmm. for his for his team, and an athletic director that was doing the best he could for his university, and a president that that echoed that all the way up to the top. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're a we're a Husker fan podcast, and I'm a fan of everybody I just said. You know, yep. every every you guys represented us well. You know, we we're you know voices on a podcast. We're you know 144 characters on a Twitter feed, but. Um, you guys make a difference out there. You, that reach mm. that you guys have, so I, I do appreciate that. Even Dirk Chatlin, who I've been publicly not maybe as hard on, but privately horribly hard on, <laughs> he has been he has been the voice of reason throughout this whole point. So Dirk, tip of the cat cap, a couple more good tweets, man. We might invite you on the podcast. <laughs> Don't know. Um, I, I do want to make one statement too about uh, about Larry Frost and Dave. You're actually related to the Frost family to his mom's side. That is correct for the Mosicki side, yep. Um, but uh, Larry, one memory I have of him, and this would have been in 1992, so it would have been Scott's senior year. Mac, uh, we played against uh, Battle Creek during oh, the year. Yes. Battle Creek was insane. They had the Euler brothers and Matt Hoskinson and all that stuff. Um, they were terribly they, powerful. They were the best team in the state, and they were Class C, to be honest with you. We were Class B, and they destroyed us, and I think we played them closer than anyone. They had like three plays. Yeah, it didn't Counter-trap matter. left, counter-trap but they right. But they went on to play in the championship game in Battle Creek against Wood River and a senior Scott Frost. And I remember making the drive up there with uh, the Brzezinski family. John, who coached uh, soccer with Skodas for a number of years, very successful, our buddy Jason. And uh, I ride up there with Bernie. them, and we watched the game – in about the fifth row of like the, the end zone because the place is packed, both sides of the stadium, and then it's a standing room around it. And we watched Larry coach uh, Scott in his last game. Scott was a man among boys on his own end, but but he just couldn't take on this one team by himself, essentially. But it was you could see the connection. You could see the connection between Scott and his dad. His mom coached him. I mean, there's you can see where the family connection and everything and why Scott is the the man he's become and the coach he's become absolutely I think that Larry played a huge role in that you know he's going to be missed and just it's heartbreaking news I mean it was weird kind of doing the pod as we were doing it tonight because right in the middle of it we got that news and so if you listen to us and somewhere around minute 30 we just kind of like dropped a little bit of energy that would be it folks yeah absolutely thanks Honk I appreciate that and you know um you know Mac and I have both lost fathers in the last few years so our heart uh sympathy really goes out to scott right now and his entire family and um just wish everyone the best there in the frost family going forward so uh for that um we are very grateful for football being back and um we'll look forward to our next show for now let's call that a go big red cast go big red we're back baby